my dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I welcome you to this week's edition of the St. Jude Parish Chatter. I'm Father Tiroff, the pastor here at St. Jude's. I'm here with Tyler, our Director of Religious Education and Youth. Hi, Tyler. Hey, Father. How are you doing today? Doing well. Getting excited about Ash Wednesday coming up in just a few days. Yeah, I it it's hard to believe. I'm like, didn't we just start the new year? I, I and, and now it's Ash Wednesday, and it, it it doesn't feel real to me in some ways. Yeah, it kind of sneaks up on us every year, and um, for whatever reason, I get excited about Ash Wednesday. It's like I'm going to prove myself. It's sort of like the big test at the end of like um, all this studying and preparations. Like, can I do for Ash Wednesday <laughs> this year what I've always done for Ash Wednesday? Can I keep it up? So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's. Uh... It'll be it'll be fun. Uh, it's it's different for me now. My experience of Ash Wednesday now as a husband and father than it was the time when I was in seminary, and and I still struggle with that. As my wife tells me constantly, you're you're not in seminary anymore, Tyler. You don't have to drive yourself crazy because I I get kind of cranky when I maybe don't have the food that I might want throughout the day. And uh, so you lived Ash Wednesday as an intense day as a seminarian. Yeah. And- but I have to tell you, I've met some priests who don't live it as all that intense of a day. In fact, 20 <laughs> years ago, I was scandalized to hear that some of my brothers went to Red Lobster on Ash Wednesday. Because you can't get any meat there, of course, so that was why they went there. But that's a nice restaurant to go to if you are saying that you're fasting. It seems to defeat the purpose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I would struggle with that. What were your customs when you were in the seminary? How did you do uh, it back then? When I was, my first couple of years, I was at a college seminary in Minnesota, and we had a, a tradition there at that seminary. Everyone would we would do like a thirty six hour liquid fast. So you would just have anything you can drink was fine. Um, you could drink a smoothie, so you could do that technically, uh, but you wouldn't eat anything. Um, so that was really intense. Um, after that, it was just I, I don't remember exactly what I did, but I was very like uh, yeah, I was really intentional about like having that one meal and you know the two smaller meals and i never know what that meant so i think i usually skip those because i'm like i don't know was this a small meal is it not and so i was just like man forget it one of my friends in the seminary did something like you did with the intense fast but he actually didn't even take in liquids on ash wednesday so from sun up until sun down he would not have anything past his lips Mm. and that was pretty intense i don't actually recommend that (laughs) because your kidneys need to (laughs) keep flushing actually there is a a beautiful uh, flushing of the body that takes place when we don't take in solid foods and we just take in the mm. uh, take in water. It's kind of there's a cleansing effect. So yeah. I've heard people who know more about the body than I do say that there's something really good about doing that every once in a while. A cleansing effect comes over. I do more of a liquid diet on Ash Wednesday, so nothing solid, <clears throat> but I'm willing to take in juice and I'm willing to take in um, like uh, these smoothies or a protein shake or something like that in order to keep my strength up throughout the day and. I, I think it's somewhat healthy, actually, to be able to do that. Yeah. What are your customs now, Tyler? What do you do? Uh, I kind of kept with that. Anyway. Well, in terms of what I've used it, I, I'll, you know, usually my main meal is with my family in the evening for dinner, and I'm not. I don't remember what we we you know we changed up whether we're gonna what we're gonna make uh, every year, and it's usually like grilled cheese and tomato soup or something simple. Kids will eat it. Um, and then yeah, it's, it's figuring out it's figuring out for me what I'm going to eat during the day during Ash Wednesday is always difficult for we can have something small and usually I'll, I might end up skipping lunch or something and having a small little something to give me a little energy like a, some toast uh, with some jam or something on it for breakfast. But yeah, that um, fits with the theme of a small meal. So just for the sake of catechesis, when we're fasting, we should have one 
a very simple, small meal, smaller than you would normally have for a meal, and then two snacks in order to keep your strength going. And the reason the church um, came up with the two snacks idea was because Catholic workers were, mm-hmm. were seen as not working as hard on Ash Wednesday because they were fasting. They couldn't put out as much. And so the church said, you can have a couple of snacks so that we can keep our strength up all throughout the workday. And it was presumed that as soon as you're done working, then you're going to stop um, stop eating and fast throughout the rest of the day until the breakfast or break the fast mm. on the day after Ash Wednesday. I'll admit I've changed a little bit too since ordination, and that is Ash Wednesday focuses so much on evangelization and mm. bring people into the church. We end up with a lot of people in our pews who have not been around for a long time and maybe just nominally Catholic. And so I really want to make them first feel welcomed, but then even to challenge them to live the gospel in a a, um, a stronger manner. And so I can end up uh, interacting with, with such souls on that day. So it's a great day of evangelization for me. Absolutely. I mean, I remember my first few years of doing youth ministry. Um, I remember talking about, it was about this time we were getting ready to approach ad, uh, approach Lent. And I was talking to some of my kids and they're like, oh yeah, we, we have to, it's required we have to go to Mass on Ash Wednesday. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, it's not actually. Mm. I want you to go to Mass on Ash Wednesday, but it's actually not required. I would much rather you go every Sunday and some of these other days before you went on Ash Wednesday. But yes, please yeah. go, but it's not a holy day. There's a cultural element and a church element that don't mix on mm. Ash Wednesday where the culture says, if you don't get your ashes, something bad's going yeah, to happen exactly. And um, the church is not saying something bad's <laughs> going to happen to you. It's not even a holy day of obligation, as you mentioned, and yet some people treat it with more reverence and the assumption of the blessed right Virgin exactly Mary, yeah um speaking of 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 mass and, and going to to mass on ash wednesday that's our sponsor this week um so ash wednesday uh we've got a, a few different opportunities for you to be able to come for for mass um so you can come at 6 30 a.m so you want to get right there first thing in the morning get to mass get get ashes head off to work um you can come at 6 30 a.m you can also come at 8 a.m at 12.10 p.m., we won't have Mass, but we'll have a Liturgy of the Word service uh, with a distribution of ashes as well. So if you've got a short lunch break and you want to come in during that time, that's a perfect time for that. And then lastly, at the end of the day, we have a 6.30 p.m. Mass uh, that you can come as well. So we hope we'll, we'll see you here. And, and uh, yeah. Great. We're getting ready for Ash Wednesday. May I share the gospel for Ash Wednesday with you, Tyler? Absolutely. I'd love to. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that other people may see them. Otherwise you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms... Do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your almsgiving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on street corners, so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to be fasting, except to your Father who is hidden. And your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. 
The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Always struck with the the invitation to make sure that we're doing our acts of penance and sacrifice for the Lord God Mm. and not just for ourselves. And that comes out so clearly in this gospel when our Lord says, make sure that you don't um, look look gloomy in front of everybody else so they can they can uh, praise you. Remember, in times past, it was totally normal for people to want to be praised for their faithfulness to God, for their spiritual lives. We live in weird times where if you go into the public square and you say, I love God and I love Jesus, you get pushed to one side pretty quickly by others around us. And so um, the reason we we love God and we love Jesus is for God's sake. Mm. And it's not for other people to praise us and to say how great we're doing. Absolutely. I've run into this on Ash Wednesday where when I wear my ashes out in public, you see, I guess when I was younger, um, uh, I remember going to Ash Wednesday services in the evening, hmm. not always, but certainly at least um, so when I would go in the evening, nobody would see it afterwards because it's dark <laughs> and you go home. That was the end of it. But um, now it's always in the morning, first first thing in the morning, you get my ashes at the first service and then you wear it throughout the day. And and actually, I think I get more accolades, more more praise for mm. for wearing the ashes out in public than um, anybody dissuading me from any right. type of a presence there. I, I mean, with that, I, there is something about that in our society. There's this desire, even on Ash Wednesday, whether you're living out any sort of faith or not, you you want you want these ashes. And and I'm not entirely sure what what the reason reasoning is. Like I've seen even in recent years, like there be groups that'll be dis- distributing ashes as people were getting on the buses to commute downtown. And, and I found that interesting because, like, the, the world wants this for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I think they reckon, there's a, reckon, a recognizing of there, this period of, of, of penance, of trying to grow yeah. deeper in something maybe. And they don't fully get it, but... The, the a constant affirmation that society says we're supposed to have, to always think positive and mm. to never say anything negative, there's something in our souls that says it's not 100% the right. case. There yeah. is something in us that needs to be repented of, that's something mm-hmm. imperfect that needs to be cleaned up. And the ashes are a sign of that. And even the world is aware that, yeah, we, we can do even better. Right. We need to challenge Absolutely. ourselves to do even better. And it's a part of the spiritual life, of that interior life of recognizing that I, I can strive to give even more to the Lord. Hmm. I brought with me a uh, one of my favorite books. It's called Hidden Mountains, Secret Garden. It's by Dr. Anthony Lillis. And he uh, describes what that interior life is like. And he says it's like a garden. And so can I share a little of this with you? Absolutely. So this is on page 136 if you want to buy Anthony's book. And Anthony, you owe me something if a lot of people buy your books. Um, you'll get some royalties, I'm sure. But um, Anthony writes, Christ longs to take us into the joy of eternal friendship where great things are accomplished for the glory of God. The garden of the Lord is the place of deepest intimacy with him, Mm. a place where the desires of his heart embrace the desires of our hearts. So repentance, putting the ashes on our hearts, is a a sign that we're not the center of all things. We want him, Jesus Mm. Christ, to be the center of all things. And that intimate place, that garden inside of our souls, is the place where we go to in order to to um, have just time with him, to be quiet with him. In the gospel, there was this constant word secret. The secret mm. keeps coming forward. And that's a, a quiet place. It's, a, it's an image of the soul where just the Lord knows everything that's going on within our souls. It's interesting you say that. It's, it's, it's a quiet place and... 
and everything in and it's a secret place and i, I maybe think of you know, in the gospel it also says you know do not look gloomy like you don't want we don't want our, our souls to be gloomy as well we want them to yes be the secret quiet place but there, there should be a light there to welcome the lord into and not be this gloomy d- dismal place yeah the interior life is meant to be filled with god mm. and while there's a cross there as mother Teresa taught us so eloquently with her life while there's a cross mm. there there's joy that Absolutely. radiates from the cross and we're attracted to that on some level and it's the the nature of that beautiful place in our souls. Our Lord also says to go there and close the door. And it means that we're not going to tell everybody everything that's going on. And right. Mother Teresa gave us that example, too. She didn't go around saying to everybody, gosh, I'm in the dark night of the soul. <laughs> um, she closed the door. And so she was just living inside of that place. And she let the radiance come out through the windows, if you will. Right. She let us see through her eyes that she was in love with the Lord mm. Jesus. And, and it just came through. But, yeah, when we go to that intimate place, when we go to the garden, we close the door. And we are just quiet with God. And we let ourselves be with God inside of our inside of our baptized souls. What a great um, I don't know. It's it's a, a great kind of reminder as we get to, ready to enter into this Lenten season. Lenten season is we're going to a place to be with God. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're doing these penances, whatever it might be, to, to enter into a place with God and to grow deeper with Him. Um, and as we grow deeper, it can sound like it's too good to be true that mm. that God loves us so much in order to want to know us completely, our perfections and our imperfections. And um, Dr. Anthony Lillis again makes that that reference, and he, he says it can sound like a fairy tale mm. that this is just too good to be true. But here's what he says: This is page 137. Here we come to the important difference between a real life and fairy tale stories. And it is one that has nothing to do with merely historical or psychological or sociological explanations. In fairy tales, once order is restored, the prince and the princess are married and live happily ever after. In real life, however, there is a realization that real happiness is not yet complete and that we were just in the middle of the story. And at one point we will come to the end of the story, which is eternal life in heaven. So this spiritual journey that we're on, this Ash Wednesday that we're entering into, it's just part of a journey. We're not, we're not expected to be done yet. We are, um, we're not like living a fairy tale life where one and done, got my ashes, now I'm done becoming a saint for this year. Uh, we mm. are pronouncing something on Ash Wednesday that we're going to do even better. And all throughout Lent, we're going right. to keep renewing that for these next 40 days to try and strive to make ourselves into better versions of ourselves. Mm. That's so wonderful. Um, you know, Father, thank you for sitting down with us as we get ready to start this Lenten season, um, as we get ready to begin with Ash Wednesday and everything. Um, uh, I hope we, all of us, can, as a parish, grow deeper in our in our spiritual journeys, and it's a continual um, thing we grow in, um, not just this Ash Wednesday, is, but throughout all of Lent. But as we go forth, uh, would you give us your blessing Absolutely. as we enter into the season? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And Almighty God, bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.